0: last week's sermon was getting it right this week is getting it wrong so as I said last week sometimes it's okay to be wrong you know it's part of the the process of learning and growing but sometimes getting it wrong can be disastrous think about the times in war you know, we saw the, the bayonet and the, the katana there just a little bit ago. But think about the times in, in war when the intelligence was wrong and bombs fell on civilians instead of militants. Think about the times when people made choices that ruined lives and destroyed the lives of those that they loved. Being wrong can be Devastating and sometimes being wrong, can be demonic. Racism is demonic. Policies that refuse justice to the vulnerable are demonic. Systems that execute the innocent are demonic. Powers that call good evil and evil good are demonic. Calling these powers demonic probably sounds a little bit weird in our modern culture. But it really shouldn't come as a surprise, since Jesus himself refers to the devil as the ruler of this world. And when Jesus taught us to pray, that prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, he says, you know, pray like this, deliver us from evil. Literally, in the Greek, at least in, in Matthew, deliver us from the evil one.'" There are demonic powers at play in our lives. And the prince of this world has a way of drawing us into his will in our hearts. Even as we pray with our lips for God's will to be done. Case in point, Peter Last week, we heard about Peter's proclamation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He got it right. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John. This was not revealed to you by man. It was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. I'm going to build my church on this rock, this confession, this proclamation. The gates of hell shall not prevail, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. All about being able to forgive sins and all of this incredible stuff what a great moment and then we read from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day Be raised. He's teaching them what it means to be the Christ. And to be the Christ means suffering, death, and resurrection. I'm not sure Peter heard that part. Because I'm I'm thinking that if if I heard, you know, oh, you're going to suffer, you're going to die, you're going to rise, I'd be like, wait a second, That that last part doesn't normally happen. Peter doesn't seem to grab onto that at all. And we need to be clear about this for ourselves and in our life and our relationship with Jesus. Jesus came to suffer and die for our sins. He came to rise to give us eternal life. Hebrews says that he did this For the joy that was set before him. That he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And now now he's seated in the glory of the Father. And that's that's what this is all about. When you get to the heart of the matter. When you get to the core of the Christian faith. It is Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. It is blood, atonement, death. And resurrection. But how did Peter respond to Jesus? He took him aside and he says, This shall never happen to you. Friends, where where, where would we be without Jesus suffering? Death and resurrection. We would be lost. We would be damned. We would be without hope if Jesus had not been crucified and raised for us. Peter is very wrong in this understanding of what it means for Jesus to be the Christ. And so Jesus rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Not get behind me, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Because Peter's been sucked in by the demonic lie about glory, power, and honor. Because don't our, don't our hearts kind of crave those things? We would be glorious, and we'd have power, and be recognized and honored by other people. And Jesus tells Peter, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but you're setting your mind on the things of man. Do you ever set your minds on the things of man? The things of this world? The the frankly, the demonic instead of the things of God? Do you ever need to hear Jesus? call to you repent believe the gospel the kingdom of heaven has come there's a new order a new hope a new life in this world of death and it's all tied to his death and resurrection You know i need to hear that message over and over again To be reminded of what Jesus has done for me. Now, I'm I'm about to say something that's controversial and potentially controversial and offensive. But, But please understand, I'm not trying to be controversial or offensive. I'm trying to dig us into this text. The next thing that Jesus says in this reading is, If anyone would come after me, let that person deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever would save their life would lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Over the last five months, we have wrestled mightily with what to do to keep everyone safe from a virus in the midst of a pandemic. And I've said it before, I'm, I'm not in a hurry to die. You know, I don't like being sick or anything like that. But Jesus' words hit me when I read this text. If you would follow me, take up your cross and come. Take up your cross. You know what crosses are for, right? Slow. Painful, shameful death. I read this text and I hear Eric, if, if you would save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find real life, eternal life. I've heard people explain this passage as a, as a metaphor. To lose your life, they say, means to lose your way of life, to lose your old sinful behaviors, to lose your, your former habits from before you knew Jesus. But what if Jesus is actually talking about dying? Jesus said, take up your cross, follow his life, and he gets just a few chapters where he takes up a cross, goes to Golgotha, and he died for our salvation. How many Christians around the world every Sunday, in a sense, take up their cross go to church, to gather for worship, to live a life of faith in places where they are persecuted. Where just being a Christian puts their life at risk. How many of the people who carried this faith out into the world before us took up their cross and actually died? because of the faith and the hope they have in Christ. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the Lutheran pastor. Well, there were lots of Lutheran pastors in Germany. Um, but you know, during World War II, he's pretty famous. Pretty famous for being part of an assassination attempt uh, against Adolf Hitler. Um, but he wrote a book in which he, he, he says, When Christ calls a man, He bids him come and die. Bonheffer died a martyr's death. You see why this might be kind of rattling around in my head? And then I I think about what St. Paul said. St. Paul, who also died a, a, a martyr's death, as he was looking ahead at that, he says... I don't know what I actually want because to live means fruitful service for you and for the Lord but to die means rest and it means to go to be with glory to be with Jesus and, and there's this beautiful line in the book of Philippians where he says for me to live is Christ but to die Is gain. Do you believe that? That to live is Christ, but to die is gain? I'm not saying to be reckless. I'm not like, yeah, put me at the top of the list or anything like that. To live is Christ. That sounds like a really good thing. To bear Christ out into the world. To be his servant. To be his messenger. Life is a gift from God. And it should not be easily or cheaply tossed aside. Life is good. I am, however, saying that there is peace. And hope. And confidence in Jesus. Because he suffered. Because he suffered was bloodied and dead on the cross and because he is risen and I'm also saying that there are some things for which it is worth suffering and even dying that we might willingly face the fear of death and confidently live in Christ because he was raised as the first fruits from the grave. This isn't a singular event that Jesus rises. It's it's breaking the seal so that you all and I can follow him through death to a resurrected life in a new, physical, glorified body. And even as I say that, I pray the prayer of the father, um, of of the boy who asked, the father asked Jesus to heal his boy. He says, you know, if you can help him, please help him. And Jesus looks at him like, if? You know who you're talking to here? Everything's possible for those who believe. And the father says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because I'm not saying that any of this is easy. We're going to wrestle. We're going to be torn. We're going to be pulled. But we have this hope that we don't need to live in fear. And sometimes I look and I'm like, oh, that I would never be led by fear. But that we would live lives of faith that Jesus is the Christ. That he's the one who died your death, bearing your sin. And who rose so that you could overcome death. To live with him forever in a new creation. Where there's no more sickness, sorrow, pain, or death. Jesus is going to come again. With all the angels in his glory. In the glory of his father, he says. There will be justice on that day. And all that's wrong will be made right. And there will be healing. Life. Life and salvation for those who put their hope in Christ because there were some there who saw Jesus enter his kingdom they saw him win our salvation over sin and death on the cross and then they took up their crosses and they followed Jesus and they handed that good news down from generation to generation And now the call has come to us to take up our crosses to follow Jesus and to carry that good news. The kingdom of God has come. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Repent and believe the good news. Amen.